Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about ACO because we know that ACO is a quickly changing world. A lot of evolution, Google updates that make this job is so hard. But today you can learn something new about that. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Pavel Medora. How are you? How's it going? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for me, it's a big pleasure because I love discussing about SEO. Uh, and uh, I found that many uh, well-known experts, uh, including Rand Fishkin, Neil Petal, uh, many others, uh, Craig Campbell, they have different opinion about strategy, about methods. So I, I've learned from anyone, you know, and to find my way because uh, it's quite different. And uh, if something works for others, it doesn't mean it works for anyone. So before we start, I want to introduce our sponsor, uh, C-Ranking, a top-related all-in-one SEO platform. I like C-Ranking for their very accurate rank tracker tool, which shows your daily rankings for your website in five search engines for any location, device, and language. You can monitor Google Maps results and 35 search features for every keyword and much more. Just Google C-Ranking rank tracker and explore 40 days for free. So yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. And before we start, Neville, tell about your experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about SEO. I started off with SEO. That's the whole way I started off. Um, uh, I'm 39 years old right now, so I caught the first phase of the internet. So roughly around you know 1998 or something like that, I started getting pretty active on the internet, building blogs and all that. And there, it was very difficult to tell people about your website or anything. And the number one way was search engines. And back then it was like Alta Vista, Yahoo was still the king, all that kind of stuff, askjeeves.com. And then Google came on the scene and it was a huge hit. It was a huge cultural phenomenon across the world. Everyone knew about Google all of a sudden. It was like a, it was like a joke. And so then everyone was using Google. And I remember thinking, well, it's. I read the white paper of PageRank and it's pretty simple. You get high quality links to your website and you rank at the top. It's pretty simple, right? Ultimately, mm -hmm. that's about it. And so I remember thinking, okay, if I just label my pages correctly and I put the t the, the titles correctly, that's better than 99% of the websites out there right now, at least at the mm -hmm. time. Let's say the year 2000. And so I was very good at getting SEO and all my blogs that I had uh, were ranking very well. And that was my top business strategy. Instead of paid ads or anything, I just knew how to do SEO better than most people at the time. And uh, that's how I got my start. That's how all of my businesses made money, mainly through SEO. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about strategy. You mentioned mm -hmm. about a strategy. I see when the masters chase high volume keywords. They open C-Ranking, HRF, SEMrush, many other tools just find a list of keywords, uh, check out volume, I can think, oh, a lot of traffic, I want to get. <laughs> but it's not the case. We have competition. We have other great content. Can you tell how to find today the right strategy? Because uh, we have the topic about SEO update evolution. And, you know, uh, 10 years ago, I didn't care about uh, creating info content. I didn't care about uh, choosing the right strategy because uh, almost all my activity worked well. Google ranked all my websites, but things yeah. change today. We need to spend more time. Can you tell more about strategy? Yeah. So the strategy I have right now is that Google is getting better and better. And I will consider Google like pretty much mainly the only player in traditional SEO. We can talk about TikTok and all that stuff in a second. But if you're trying to rank at the top of Google, there are more and more people that have more and more incentive to be at the top of all those keyword ranking searches. And what I have noticed is that the more of these tricks you play, so if you play a lot of tricks, like I'm gonna put these titles, these title tags here and this here, I'm gonna make this little uh, markup over here. 
Those are all mainly like tricks that add up to a little bit of percentage of it. But the main thing is, if a bunch of people, really good people link to your website, it's that damn good, you will rank number one. And so it's kind of like from the beginning, I always thought if I have the best content, ultimately Google will find it. And I think that's actually becoming more and more true. Um, even with like the good content update with uh, Google, they're, they're penalizing people who make just like auto-generated content. They're penalizing people who have just like long pages that are just like way too long to consume. And so I try to think I'm making this for other people. If I share this and all those other people share it, theoretically, the link building will get taken care of itself. So I actually don't do link building anymore. I'd rather just sit down write an article, and then a month later, go over it again and say, how can I make this even better? And I look at it with fresh eyes. And then I say, hmm, someone searching for copywriting exercises, what are they looking for? And I go through that and try to make it even better. The other thing I try to do now is branded searches. So when I think of like, I don't, I don't want someone looking up email templates. I want someone looking up copywritingcourse.com email templates. I want them looking Neville email templates. I want them looking just for me. So that's another strategy where I've told people, I'm like, if you want to find these email templates from Twitter, type in copywriting course email templates. So I want people to think of like typing in copywriting course, insert whatever. So instead of all the other results, I come up number one each time for their search results. So in the past, I would just go for big, broad keywords to get that number, but I don't think that matters as much. And I can tell you an interesting story why, if you want. <laughs> of course, of course I will. But uh, I just want to ask about uh, that you mentioned you don't uh, use link building. And you know, uh, from my experience, I check out a few uh, prominent, uh, a few good websites that have traffic, but they don't use link building. And I mm -hmm. found they can create linkable content, you know, uh, mm -hmm. link worthy content. Can you tell more about that? How to create content that gives a strong reason to uh, get natural links? Without I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a really good way. Calculators and generators. So, <laughs> so a lot of times, a lot of times, for example, um, we, but we changed this. So I think we took down the page, but we had this pricing calculator and I made it for myself and I wanted to see, okay, let's say I want to make a million dollars. How many products do I have to sell? And so this is simple arithmetic, right? You take a million dollars and divide it by, let's say I could sell 5,000 products. That's 20 bucks a piece. So 5,000 products at 20 bucks a piece, whatever. And then you go down the list. And I thought, well, what would be interesting is to show an example of that. And so I said, how much money do you want to make? Let's say a million dollars. And so uh, it tells you to set to make a million dollars, you have to sell five thousand uh, dollars, five thousand products at twenty dollars a piece, or ten thousand products at ten dollars a piece, whatever the numbers are, right? And so I made that product, and the thing is, everyone started linking it and became number one. It outranked Amazon and all sorts of other places on a, a pricing calculator. And the reason is other places they were making a pricing calculator blog post, so they'll tell you the formulas how to do it. What I did was I just made the calculator with JavaScript. And my thing just did it for you. So instead of mm -hmm. having to learn how to make a pricing calculator and open up your calculator and type in all the numbers, you just typed in your number or it was auto filled out and it automatically told you all the numbers. That's it. So yeah. that's how I made linkable content. The more you could just do the problem for someone, the better. So a lot of my most linked things are almost like software based. So then um, I wanted to make a podcast name generator to, to name my own podcast. So I made a list of different podcast names And I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if instead of just saying like blank name podcast, what if I just typed in my name and it auto filled in all that stuff? So just with basic Ajax, I made this calculator 
uh, call the uh, the podcast generator. And of course, that became number one real quick because everyone just kept linking it. They didn't care about me. They didn't care or anything. They just knew that if you want to make a podcast name, you type in your name, you type in your city, and it just makes a big list of names for you. That's it. That's linkable content. And so I think actually stepping it up from going from just a blog post sometimes to maybe adding some interactive something on it could be very, very valuable. Or if you're trying to go after something with templates like Google Docs presentation templates, just give me the templates. A lot of times people will talk about it and then maybe say, sign up for the templates. It's like, what if I just give out the templates for free? Then everyone will link this. And so I just say, keep amping up how much you're giving out and exactly giving that person what they want. Nice, nice. Love it. Yeah, uh, I think calculators, conversions, uh, tools, simple tools. It's not hard to create. And blogging is overwhelmed. Uh, I don't remember exactly the number, but more than, uh, if I remember correctly, 300 million blog posts published every single day. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you <laughs> create a new piece of content, you need to compete with all other blogs online. And uh, webmaster still lazy to create calculators or uh, tools, simple tools. So yeah, I love the strategy. Uh, can you tell how to find these ideas, uh, conversion idea? I mean, like uh, how to find ideas to create these calculators uh, for any specific project? The, yeah, so that's the beauty. It's funny, we've helped a lot of people make calculators. And the problem is sometimes people will make calculators like, so uh, here's a popular calculator, mortgage calculator, right? So mm -hmm, you're buying a house, yeah. you want to know how much a mortgage costs. So think about it. When someone just types in mortgage calculator, some of the calculators that are out there, I've looked at so many of them in the past, they have like 50 different entry fields. So you have to fill in like 50 different items, like the amount of interest, the taxable rate, the zip code, all this stuff. And I'm like... I, give me a rough idea. I just want a rough idea of what, okay, so I'm buying a million dollar house. I'm going to get a 30 year mortgage. I'm going to put 200,000 down. How much is the payment? Just give me a rough idea. And then sometimes it'll, it'll make you enter the amount of taxes. And I'm like, I don't know all this stuff. And so I think that should be a calculator. that's very simple. And then it has an advanced yeah. tab. So if someone wants all that very advanced stuff, like they really want down to the penny what they're going to pay, that's great. But for someone like me, just like, I just want a rough, is it 5,000 a month? Is it 1,000 a month? Is it $100 a month? I don't know. Tell me. And so similarly like that, um, people, people that make it simpler usually have the best calculators. I would say take it even a step further than that. So I would say pre-fill different things. So instead of mortgage calculator, what people are trying, think about what someone's actually trying to say. They don't know that they can afford a million dollar house and can put $200,000 down. They're thinking I can maybe afford a $1.5 million house and put 300 down, but I don't, I don't know what the, the prices would be. So what I would do is I would make a calculator that asks the price you're going to put down and how much, uh, how much the house is, just those two things, but it's pre-filled with different numbers already. So it would say, if you're buying a $1 million house with $200,000 down, the mortgage is $5,000 a month. If you're buying an $800,000 house with $100,000 down, the mortgage is $4,000 a month. So I'd put a range of things. So like five to 10 different options. So someone could just see in plain English, if this much money, then that much money. If this much money, then that much money. That automatically answers some people's questions as soon as they load the page. And then they can play around with your uh, your fields and, and change them out to 2 million, 5 million, whatever. You know, they could do all that. So I think getting at the kernel of truth, what someone is really looking for. So a lot of people say, I'm going to make a mortgage calculator. And they just look at all the other mortgage calculators and copy them. Well, 
th that's not a good strategy because those already exist and they are already ranking. So why is yours yeah. so much better? You have to say, how can I answer this person's question almost on page load? Like I could predict their, their, their answer. That's my favorite thing to do. And so that, that's what I usually do whenever I try to make a calculator. How can I make this so dead simple for people that even before they enter something, it actually works already? Mm -hmm. Love it, love it. Yes, so valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, writing text uh, in the bottom line. Uh, I mean, like, for example, if we create calculator, we need to write some uh, guide instruction how to use it. Uh, and uh, sometimes masters use this text uh, for the sake of explaining Google uh, which keywords uh, to unite with this calculator. Can you tell it's a good idea to use text? Google can understand calculators or it's better to write some uh, text uh, in the bottom line of this calculator. First of all, your calculator should be so easy to use. It doesn't need instructions, right? Mm -hmm. It says mortgage amount, down payment amount. It's already filled out. And then if they want to change it, mm -hmm. they can change it. You don't really need a lot of instructions for someone coming in for mortgage calculator, right? <laughs> However, Google is a machine and it requires a little bit of input to tell it like, hey, this is what we're doing here. And so what you could do is give examples. So that's what I've mm -hmm. done in a couple of my calculators. I'll say, here's an example of, uh, I don't have any mortgage calculators, but this is what I would do. I would say, let's say you want to put down a million dollars on a house. Here's how you would enter it and then show an example of it. And then say, this is going to be the amount to, and it kind of explain it. And I would show a couple of examples and that's it. I don't think you need to write an entire blog post about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need all that. I think the, the calculator is the main draw. And that alone could rank. Just if enough people link it, it could rank. You don't need a lot of, um, I've noticed you don't need a lot of text. However, I do like to include a little bit of a blog post below. And some of my calculators actually started off as a blog post. So for example, if you type in death calculator, you'll find copywritingcourse.com slash death calculator. And the funny thing is that was a blog post I wrote uh, to calculate your life backwards. And I thought, well, this would be great for a calculator to do. You just type in the the how old you want to be when you die, and it'll show you all the dates, the backward. It'll it'll do all the math for you. And so mm -hmm. I made that. And ironically, when I added that to the blog post, it went from number like page three to rank number one, right? And so so I do think you could uh, have big blog posts with calculators at the top, and that's that's like the ultimate. You have a piece of software plus a blog post. I mean, that's the ultimate. I would say. So you're right. Adding some context or maybe even a whole blog post below it would be great with a nice, uh, good generator at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you mentioned about Amazon. Uh, for example, if uh, someone needs to compete with Amazon. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, I think Amazon, uh, Zillow, probably many other recognizable authoritative websites have calculators. Uh, if you create much better calculator, but they have authority, you know, uh, or big, I don't know, like uh, Wells Fargo, for example, big banks, mm -hmm. they have calculators. And um, if I open uh, their website, I can see calculator. O of course, we can simplify, uh, create something better. Uh, but uh, we need to compete with authority of this website. What do you think? Uh, it's a good idea to create calculators uh, when we have a bunch of others, but you can simplify and how to compete with this big website. Yeah. First of all, you're going to have to make it different, right? So mm -hmm. if Wells Fargo has a calculator, just the sheer amount of domain rank that they're going to have is going to crush most smaller sites. So even if they have a crappier calculator, um, it, it's going to be harder to, to get rank. However, if you make it differentiated, whereas when you open it up, it automatically answers their uh, their question. So now you have a better calculator, but now you have to get links to it. 
I would say nowadays, the number one way I would do it is through a social following, actually. So this would be through TikTok videos, through YouTube, all that kind of stuff. I would post it on Reddit. I would post it on all the big major platforms and show people. And you could pretty quickly tell, I would also launch it on Product Hunt. So launching on Product Hunt, you could say, hey, I have the best uh, mortgage calculator in the world. It's super simple, but it has an advanced tab. And it'll mm -hmm. automatically tell you for all, all the different searches that people have made, right? And it logs all mm -hmm. the different searches and shows you the most popular searches. Stuff that Wells Fargo can't do, right? Or doesn't do. And so mm -hmm. I would do that and then launch it on Product Hunt. And if it does really well, it gets a ton of, it gets a ton of links. I've noticed that the launching on Product Hunt can be a very, very good way to uh to rank and i do it frequently with some of our tools that are that are good and so that's the way i would do it and then also showcase it on social media so for example on twitter i promote a lot of my calculators by showing gifs so i'll take a gif of the calculator working and share it on twitter and then people go oh cool what's the link to that and then i post it as a twitter thread and so that that way people start organically linking you on social media and then whenever they write a blog post they include your calculator it's a little bit of a long game to compete with some of those very very big sites but you can use the, your uh, your better calculator to your advantage on social media and so that's the way i would do it if i was trying to outrank someone like amazon someone like wells fargo it is possible though it is is very possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah interesting uh Let's talk about uh, development, how it's hard today to create calculator uh, or any other uh, simple tools. Because, for example, um, I remember when we created one simple calculator and we got not only SEO traffic, we got direct traffic. You now people uh, started to use it every single day because, yeah. for example, if you write a blog post, yeah, people might read one time possible two times uh, and forget about this blog post but calculator can bring traffic every day can you tell more about development how it's hard how much it might cost and something like this yeah so if you can't do it yourself with most people can't probably write javascript and do the whole full stack of that one of the easiest ways to do it that i found if you're going to make a calculator let's say a mortgage calculator to make it easy is first of all you make it inside of a google spreadsheet so like mm -hmm. or excel sheet so you probably know how to make a Google Excel sheet. If you can't, then you're probably out of your range already over here. But basically make exactly the way you want it to run and, and roughly the same layout. It doesn't have to look pretty, but basically say that there's a big box that you put in the mortgage and the big box you put in the down payment and it spits out all these numbers. So basically make that spreadsheet first. And then what you do is you approach a developer. So I found all my developers on either Upwork or Fiverr, okay? Mm -hmm. And what I'll tell them to do is I, I want to make this spreadsheet into a WordPress blog, right? So you have mm -hmm. to find someone that knows JavaScript, WordPress has made things like this before. And I will say it's cost me about a hundred bucks per calculator to make, a hundred to 200 bucks. That's it, that's it. Yeah, cheap. is that a lot or a little? <laughs> it's so cheap. <laughs> oh yeah, but here's the, here's the reason, because I know what I want. So, so people will approach a developer and be like, I wanna make a mortgage calculator. But what mm -hmm. they don't realize is they don't work with developers. I'm Indian. I work with developers all the time. You're, you're Ukrainian. You work with developers all the time. Developers will build exactly what you want, but you have mm -hmm. to tell them exactly what you want. You can't just say, build me a mortgage calculator because then they're like, well, wh yeah, what fields do you want? I, I have a hundred different fields they have to enter. You're like, no, 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 no. I want a simple one. They say, well, how many fields? I'm like, so that's why you have to make the prototype first. And what, mm -hmm. what the, the good part about making the prototype first on Google spreadsheets or something simple like that 
is that once you make it, you'll realize, oh, this is too hard. What if it had these different lines with pre-filled things? What if I look up the most popular house in the United States and how much it costs? And the most popular house in the United States costs $280,000. So what if I put that first, right? That's the first line because most likely if someone's looking for it, they're looking for a $280,000 home. And so that's, that's the benefit of building the prototype. And then all they have to do is build the boxes and the functionality in the JavaScript for you. So they don't have to think like, oh, what, where should this go? Where should that go? You build it out first and you say, build exactly this. And that's why it's always been so cheap for me because I know exactly what I want before I approach the developer. I don't have some hazy idea. I know exactly what I want. I have the page ready for them to go. And then they show me the first draft and we make some small changes. Say, hey, can you change this over here, et cetera. Um, But usually it only takes one to two revisions for me to make each calculator. And more time goes into thinking about the way to make the calculator or the generator rather than the actual development. The development's relatively quick. I mean, mm-hmm. one, one, one or two hours sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. valuable. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, sales funnel. For example, if I create calculator, simple calculator, but uh, how it can help to sell my products, for example, okay, it's related to my products, but uh, it's not uh, my direct <laughs> final destination. Can you tell about uh, submitting call to action to these calculators? Yes, and here's the best way. I love calculators for this reason because they're, they're so specific. So uh, once again, continuing on the mortgage calculator example, let's say you have a mortgage calculator and people really like it. Well, if you have a download box that says download this mortgage mortgage calculator for yourself in your own files. All you have to do, you know, the Excel file I told you about, or the Google spreadsheet file that I told you about to send to the developer, send them that in the email. That's how you collect their email. And so that's Mm -hmm. the way I've always done it. So our death calculator at the end of the post, it says, download this entire post and the calculator for your own, uh, in all the data, uh, for your own files. And all it does is they enter their email and then the email it sends them back is their confirmation email. And in that confirmation email is the link to the Google spreadsheet that I made the original calculator in. That's it. Mm-hmm. And people love people love that because then they do file, make copy, and save it as their own. So they could save it as an Excel file, a PDF, a blog post, any, uh, a, make a copy of a Google Drive, anything like that. So that's the way you do that. Because here's the thing. Let me tell you a quick story about this. Uh, we have copywritingcourse.com with C's, but a few years ago it was called copywriting course with K's and we changed the domain name from K to C. And what happened is we had everything in place, but the person we bought the copywriting course domain from was using it as some like kind of weird affiliate site. And so there's all Mm -hmm. these weird links pointing to the thing. So when we transferred over, Google said, this is a scammy site. We're not going to give you back all your traffic. We lost 450,000 organic traffic a month. So 450,000 to a roughly 10,000 a month. So that's a big drop, right? Yeah. But do you know, Anatoly, what it did to my business? What? Almost nothing, N- nothing. So the, the amount of signups decreased for sure. Our email signups dropped quite a bit, but the amount of revenue and everything the company did well, pretty much stayed the same. Like it didn't hurt at all. And I remember thinking like, well, what the hell was all this traffic for? And the reason was a lot of the stuff was very generic calculators. So I told you about podcast name generator. So mm-hmm. we sell a copywriting course. If you're looking for a podcast name generator, the, the overlap of you buying from copywriting course is very small, right? And mm-hmm. then we also didn't have a download for that po- podcast generator. So it was getting 20 to 50,000 uh, visits a month, 
but it didn't, it didn't convert anything. In fact, I looked at the conversions. It was like 0.0001 or something like that. It was, it was nothing essentially. So all that traffic was useless essentially other than yeah. links to our website, which you could arguably say was good, but overall it did nothing. And so what I would do is if you're going to make a generator, somehow tie it into your topic and make a download at the end of each one where they get to download the uh, Google spreadsheet version of that generator. And I say Google spreadsheet version because it's easy to just link a Google spreadsheet and have them copy it rather than sending them an Excel file, which you then have to go update every time you update the calculator. So mm -hmm. that's the way I would do it. And I would also not go after just raw traffic anymore. I think that was kind of an old school way of thinking. I think now, like now as we're rebuilding our traffic, I think we're at around 120 or 200,000 a month or so again. Um, you can go to copywritingcourse.com slash stats and see all of our stats live. Uh, it's, it's all open data. So uh, Google Data Studio, we use that and you can you can see it for free. So yeah. you can see all our, uh, our traffic coming back, but we're going after keywords that we know will convert well. So copywriting exercises, how to become a copywriter, what is copywriting? Those types of larger words are what we're going after only. Not so much all these like calculators, generators that bring in traffic, but not targeted traffic anymore. Yeah, interesting story. Yeah. I think it's better to check out uh, domains before buying, you know, <laughs> because yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's better to use HRFs any other tools <laughs> to analyze. Well, you know what the you know what the problem was? We actually discovered a flaw in Google because Bing actually rerouted all of our traffic, but Google did not. And we uh, we hired mm -hmm. a high paid SEO consulting. He was like, I think you found an error in Google, and the, and mm -hmm. the the trick was the trick he told us to do. Uh, eight months later after the, the the traffic did come back and we're like, something's definitely wrong. What happened was we disavowed all the links from the old site, but kept all the good ones. So she did have some uh, links coming from very reputable sites, mm -hmm. uh, some from Forbes.com and stuff. And so we kept all those, but then we disavowed all the other crappy domains. And Google still thought, well, those same domains are still pointing are not disavowed. So this is the same site. So what we had to do was disavow all the links that she ever got. And that did the trick. And in a week we got back a lot of our traffic. Nice. It's only yeah. about the name. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I had the same experience, but uh, no, uh, not about backlinks. My website was hacked and uh, uh, all our traffic dropped in one day and we couldn't find uh, the problem because uh, all antiviruses showed everything is fine. Google uh, Search Console showed everything is fine, but we spent some time and found that, uh, you know, this virus changed uh, uh, settings on URLs, on WordPress, uh, some uh, plugins. And we found only after 15 days and uh, it took like uh, three months to get traffic back. We lost a lot of revenue, money, but yeah, uh, it's better to have antivirus. <laughs> so I, I know about wow. uh, dropping traffic. Yeah, it's, it's better <laughs> to, to use some prevention. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let, let's talk about um, things that uh, uh, from your experience how today it's better to update SEO skills. Uh, what to do? Because uh, uh, Google change uh, algorithms, uh, many new updates are coming. Sometimes I have no time to check out new updates. I just see news, oh, no way. Uh, new update, okay, it's better to wait when SEO community can tell what's going on. And I analyze, okay, my traffic is good, so I don't need to worry a lot about new algorithm. Can you tell from your experience how to update SEO skills today? I think updating SEO skills is mainly a writing thing. 
And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of like outside of the box, a lot of WordPress sites are automatically SEO friendly, correct? So if you if you type a thing, uh, make a blog post called Mortgage Calculator, it'll already say, it'll say anatoly.com slash mortgage dash calculator. It's already done. All the meta tags, everything's kind of updated already. Pretty good. So all the technical stuff out of the box, almost every platform does a pretty good job um, in my in my opinion. So I would say the main thing is how to write really a, a grabby content that's really, really good. And generally what that is, is think about what blog posts you still read. It's usually good case studies. It's very interesting reading. It has uh, has links to other resources, that kind of thing. And it's not too long. I think most people don't read blog posts that are 10,000 words, but rather normal size, bite-sized type things. And so generally, I tell people to learn about writing first, and then the SEO will come. Whereas a lot of SEOs will just learn about SEO, but not how to make really, really good content. And so what happens is a lot of these SEOs end up going into this gray world where they're trying all these things. They're buying links. They're trading links. They're, they're trying to build links. They're spamming everyone to send them links, all those types of things. They're trying all those tricks. But the problem is six months into it, let's say there's a new uh, hack discovered, Google discovers it. So for example, all GPT-3 came out. Within a year, everyone's spinning up these blogs with hundreds of thousands of blog posts that are AI generated. Well, what do you know? Google now can detect that with pretty good accuracy. And so, so they, they ban all those. So you go up and then you go down. Then you go up and then you go down. Whereas the people that write really goddamn good stuff tend to stay up and not fall. Whereas if you're doing these tricks, it goes up and down. I think the affiliate marketing world is, is very much like this, where they try to get like number one ranked for supplements. And so they do all these weird uh, SEO tricks. They go up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> I don't like that model myself. Whereas if we tell one really good experiment we've done, that tends to rank really well. I've also noticed if you do real world experiments, so for example, we do copywriting, We've done some real world experiments where I redo website or signs for outdoor advertising. And I take pictures and put that in a blog post. Those blog posts keep ranking over the years, even though they're not like, I never even thought that anyone would search those types of things. So we did an experiment where someone uh, sent flyers out for power for a power washing business and did really well with them. We did an SEO, a, a study about that. I didn't even SEO it properly. I didn't even know what to do, like power washing case study or something like that. And so we called it whatever. And just because so many people like it, it start it always ranks number one. And so for that reason, it's just like good content is ultimately the reason of SEO. Just remember, Google's ultimate goal is to point you to the best content about something. So if you have that best content the tech will kind of take care of itself. That's my opinion on how to do it. So I would say study writing, study storytelling and how to make it really, really compelling some uh, piece of like an email or something that people read all the way to the end. And so my whole career has been about writing stuff that people want to read all the way from beginning to end. And that's why I think it's dovetailed nicely with SEO because if you can read, if you write something that people read all the way to the end, SEO will take care of itself. Similarly, the same applies to videos. So the way that uh, YouTube does SEO is it judges how long you're watching a video, right? That's an indication. If people stop watching after 30 seconds, maybe it's not that interesting. If they watch all the way through every single time, maybe your channel is very valuable. So that's the way I think about it. Telling a good story, being able to write a lot and ju just writing a lot and making sure people read all the way through. So valuable. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, um, that's why uh, I usually tell my clients, uh, forget about SEO. Think about human, uh, think about sharing value, helping others, uh, supporting others, and forget about SEO. When you have 
content you can optimize with SEO without losing uh, user experience. And uh, that's why I love to read books, uh, uh, you know, many books uh, from marketing experts uh, who have no experience about SEO. They can share how to write content for a human, you know, how to mm-hmm. uh, touch human psychology to help people. Uh, I remember a few good books from Josh Sugarman. Uh, when, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, you, you mentioned that um, you uh, you need to write content that people want to consume until then. And uh, he wrote this book 40 years ago, how to write such content, how you can catch attention, how you can keep it reading in, uh, and uh, he uh, by the way he could write text that people can't stop reading even mm-hmm. if they don't need this content <laughs> uh, so yeah <laughs> that's good advice can you tell about uh, retaining audience for example if you write text uh, how to keep readers longer uh, and give a strong reason to read the whole article well, here's the thing. I don't think you always need to keep readers longer, right? So I respect mm-hmm. my readers time. And sometimes if there's something that's as short as a tweet, I'll just send that out. You don't need to make it long. So that's why sometimes with some of the AI writing tools, which I'm invested in a couple of these companies, I love them. But what they'll do is they'll they'll write a couple, you write a couple of keywords, and then it makes a long blog post. And I'm like, well, I don't need a long blog post for this. You, you don't need to make this long. There's no reason for it to be long. So I try to say, I'm going to, it's a Joe Sugarman quote, your copy needs to be as long as it, it to, to be interesting. It can be long, that's fine, but it can't be long-winded. So you don't want long-winded copy, which means that it's just, it's just, it goes on and on. It's like someone telling you a story that it's like, it could be like, I went to this, I went to go buy a car from the car dealership and I bought a car and I, now I have a Toyota Camry. Um, that mm-hmm. could be the story. You don't need to say, well, so what I was thinking about before is that me and my mom were chatting and, and you're telling this long story. It's like, it doesn't need to be that long. So the number one thing I'd say to get people to read till the end is keep it succinct, keep it quick, keep it to the point, And it doesn't need to be long. And so the other thing I think is very grabbing now because we could do this is through our phones, through the web, we can share images and stuff very well. So sometimes if I'm telling a story, I'll just show visually, almost like Instagram style, I'll show a picture, a down arrow, a picture, a down arrow, a picture, a down arrow, et cetera. And what happens is people just want to scroll, 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 scroll all the way to the end. And sometimes I don't even use any text. I'll use all images and text within the images to tell the story. And so I frequently send out emails. That's what I'm most known for. And I write emails every day. And so I always think, how can I send this email out and make them read all the way to the bottom? And so I'll write something and then say, where do I get bored inside of this email? And I'll cut that out or else uh, make it an image or something like that. And so I try to get people to the bottom in different novel ways. And I think social media has shown us that like people just love swiping, 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And so I've actually adopted that style of like image down arrow, image down arrow quite a bit. And then if it's a if it's a if it's a story, I try to weave in relevant images. So even if they don't want to read all the text that are lazy, they'll still want to see the images. So I, I frequently use images and things like that, and also custom images that I made or hand drew that are that are sometimes like crappy looking, like they look like hand drawn amateur. And I think people tend to like that kind of stuff too. That's that's one of my styles that I use. But essentially respecting people's time and knowing that it doesn't have to be long. And if I want them to read to the end, maybe make it easy for them to read to the end by being short. So that's one of my main yeah. trends. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and um, I, I remember when uh, probably Tim Sola uh, told interesting mm-hmm. quote uh, that uh, people, if uh, they can transfer all information directly to the mind, 
they won't read anything you know <laughs> because we are lazy you know yeah it's our nature nothing is wrong with that but uh so uh why you need to waste time uh, of your consumers uh, it's better to simplify as maximum as possible uh you mentioned about ai tools uh, can you tell it's a good idea to use them because google uh is against ai tools i asked uh, by the way fabrice canal from bing uh, about mm -hmm. using AI tools and he told that Bing doesn't care if you can create uh, high quality valuable content with AI tools just do it yeah you can Google uh, told that you can't create high quality content can, uh, uh, but you mentioned that you invested in AI tools can you tell uh, AI will have a good future or we can use today about uh, AI what do you think yeah, I think the Google, so one, I think it's completely going to be the way of the future, of course, uh, mm -hmm. no doubt, it's just a matter of time, right? The, 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 it gets better and better all the time. But here's the thing, I don't think Google doesn't want AI content. Google is an AI company. What they don't want is a shit blog with a bunch of shit content. <laughs> Right. That's what they don't want. And so they don't want they don't want to like say you don't want to say like, what are the best bicycles out there? And it writes and you have some 10,000 random <laughs> thing about like bicycles and why they're good or whatever. It's like that didn't answer my question. That's the kind of content that they don't want. It's not that they don't want AI content. They don't want shit AI content. They don't really, I don't think they really care whether it's a human or a machine making it. And so what I think is happening right now is AI is not good enough to write good blog posts just yet. However, it's really good as an idea generation tool and for short form content. So for example, for Google ads, where you have, let's say 120 characters to say that you're selling a product, that is a great application of AI tools and it works really well. So if you say I'm selling a copywriting course, it'll say the best copywriting course in the land. And, and then it'll make another uh, statement. It'll say 30% off copywriting course. And it'll say all these different uh, lines that you can use and be like, oh, I want to use that one, that one, that one. AI is very good at that. Now think about it. When you read a blog post, what you're often looking for from a blog post is someone's experience. And the computer doesn't really have its own experience. What it can do is, is write thousands of words about a topic that it kind of scraped from the net and, and kind of rejiggered it a little bit. But what it can't do is tell a story. So back to my power washing story that I was talking about before, if, if I were to say how to write power washing case, uh, case, uh, case study about power washing, it wouldn't be able to do it. It'd be able to talk about power washing extensively, but it wouldn't be able to give me an example. Whereas my blog post has an example by a guy named Peter and you see his picture and his power washing truck. And it shows you all the flyers that he used that didn't work and then the flyers that did work and exactly how he did it by using people on rollerblades to go put uh, flyers on people's doors. That's something a computer doesn't necessarily have experience to do just yet. Right, maybe in the future, but right now it doesn't. And so um, so that still can't be replicated. And so it can write just long, pointless blog posts for sure. It could write endless amounts of that, but that's not what you need. In fact, I think most of the content you're seeing people consume nowadays is shorter, right? Because you like TikTok, if I wanna look up how to cook an egg and I've got the egg on the stove and I'm like, shit, I don't really know how to cook an egg. I go to TikTok <laughs> and type how to cook an egg. There's a 30 second video that shows me the rough idea of how to do it. And if I want a longer video, I could go to YouTube and, and find out how to really cook an egg, but when I have more time. And so similar, I think content is becoming shorter, not necessarily longer. So people are like, oh, I'll just write these long skyscraper articles with AI. It's like, but that's not what people want. 
So, so I think AI is great for idea generation and I use it for idea generation all the time, a company called copy.ai. And so if you want to uh, look up some angles for a Facebook ad or a Google ad or a blog post, you could type in some keywords and have it run through the AI and it'll come up with a bunch of ideas. That's a great way to use AI, but just writing it for like huge long blog posts that nobody wants to read. I think that's just not what people are looking for. So that will be penalized on Google for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's a good idea to use AI if you edit and check out what AI can write because sometimes it's full nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it'll keep getting better. It'll keep getting better. So at some point, yeah. maybe all of our content will be generated by AI in the near, in maybe 10 years or less. Yeah. It could we, be. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I have the final question. Uh, let's imagine you have no experience. Uh, mm -hmm. You need to start from scratch because I have a lot of students who want to know uh, where to jump, what to do, what to learn. Is it a good idea today to start SEO? And if you started today from scratch, can you tell what will you do to learn more about SEO? Ooh, good question. So first of all, what I would do is learn how to make content really well, because I think uh, 20 years ago when I started, really SEO was kind of the main way to get traffic. The social networks weren't a big thing. Now the social networks are pervasive throughout our entire species, correct? And so mm -hmm. Facebook has a, a good percentage of our entire species on it. Um, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, all the, all the above, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit. And so I think if you learn how to make good content that's grabbing for people, you can actually apply it to any place. So I think if you're going to do a good job with SEO, you should be on social. You should be on Reddit. You should be able to launch something on Product Hunt. You should be able to make a video on YouTube, right? You should theoretically be able to dominate all these different platforms with the same skill set. Where I think SEO is getting to the point where it's just like some of the some of the Google stuff is so good that it'll point you to the best thing regardless of what how well it's SEO'd. I think TikTok algorithms have shown that, that not the most popular people uh, rank number one all the time. Sometimes it's just someone with a small channel, but they made a really good video that other people like. And it shows that number one. I think those are kind of some of the algorithms of the future. And you should be able to make content that people like and read and find useful. So I think if you are going to learn SEO, learning how to write really well or create content that people watch all the way through and learn psychology is actually far more important. Those are the types of things that you'll, you'll use over the next 10, 20 years. Whereas I think just certain like little SEO hacks here and there are not that useful. And I think honestly, you've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about SEO. And one of the main things is make good content, right? That's kind <laughs> of like, it's kind of like the, the number one piece of advice, make really good content. So I would say, learn to make good content and then repetition, constantly putting your piece of thing out there. Say you, you write a, a, something about how to buy a car. Well, put it out on the internet and see if it ranks. Where do you get the most comments from? Where do you get the most attention from? Where this, where's the traffic coming from? Who's the number one? That's how I would learn by looking at who's number one, why they're number one and seeing, can I displace them? Right. Because theoretically, if you had the best post in the world about something, it should be number one. So it's like, can you make a number one listing? And I think from that, you will learn about domain rank and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would look up a quick explanation of Google's page rank. And I think a lot of people don't understand the basics of it. And it's quite simple, like high quality links from high quality people. It's just that simple. And there are other things like the amount of time people spend on the page, um, how fast the pages, but those are like one to 2% factors versus just how many links you get from very high quality sources. So that, that's nice. what I would do. 
Love it, love it, love it. A big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, totally appreciate it. Uh, go to copywritingcourse.com. You can find me there. Copywritingcourse.com has newsletter. Sign up to our newsletter. We have a Friday newsletter that goes out. It's the number one thing we do. Everyone loves it. It goes out to about 56,000 people a week right now. And nice. then we also have other, other stuff that we send out uh, to even more people. And then we have a whole community of copywriters. So if you join, we send you an email like with an assignment every week and you learn about copy in that way. And you just become a better writer, a better thinker, and just knowing the psychology behind what makes people read and pay attention to content. And you can apply this to social, to SEO, to your writing, to your cold email, to your sales pages, to your home pages. Every single thing that you put out on the internet would be better if you just learned the proper psychology behind writing. So copywritingcourse.com and, and check that out. I'm on uh, Twitter at NevMed. Or you can find me on YouTube slash just type in Neville Medora on uh, YouTube and find me there. And I have all sorts of copywriting free trainings over there. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you can find all these links uh, in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime. Share more value. Guys, you need to follow, to subscribe to Neville's <laughs> YouTube channel, to his Twitter, uh, to this copywriting uh, website. So you can find it. Love to see you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Anatoly. Bye.